Welcome everyone, how you doing? Are you feeling good this Easter? Turn to the person next to you, say, Happy Easter. Come on, let's go. Make sure you feel welcome in this place. To all those who are seasoned here, and to all the new people, we, we always start these services with praise and worship. We want to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We just want to put forward, really put first, 
God in everything. We want to put him above every circumstance, every situation, anything that you find yourself in. That's why we sing.
pray. Jesus, we thank you that your name is above every name. The name of Jesus, that at that name, Lord God, lives that are broken are healed. At that name, people that are lost are saved. At that name, where there is sorrow and pain, there, there comes joy. The name of Jesus. The Bible says that every name under heaven among men will bow to the name of Jesus. We honor you. You are our master, our savior, our risen Lord. We honor you this day on this resurrection weekend, Jesus. In your wonderful name we pray. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Let's just honor him right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So good to see everybody today. Why don't you turn around and say, good to see you in church. Come on, tell everybody. Good to see you, good to see you, good to see you. I want to welcome you to Church of the King today. I'm Pastor Steve, and we're so honored. Uh, Pastor Steve Robinson, we have a tremendous group of team here to serve you guys if you need anything during the service or afterwards uh, as well. I do want to welcome our guests. I know we have a lot of guests this weekend. Uh, we have literally, we'll have thousands and thousands of people. And so can we just honor all the guests? We know you guys are here. Thank you for being with us. We trust it'll be a good time to encourage you. We actually started uh, on Friday morning. We had a good uh, Friday uh, communion service right here at 6 o'clock uh, a.m. Uh, every good Friday we have a wonderful communion service at about 500 people at that. Uh, and then Saturday, uh, Friday after we had 4 and 6.30, uh, two services on Saturday, 4 and 6 yesterday. And then this morning, already 8 o'clock. Uh, and you guys, then we got one more. And then at our other campuses, I do want to welcome our Orleans Justice Center, a thousand uh, men and women in New Orleans joining us right now. Happy Resurrection Day. Our other campuses, our Gulf Coast, South Shore, so excited to have all of you. Uh, and let me tell you a little bit what's going to happen. We have got uh, about a 20-minute production uh, called A Priceless, and it is powerful. There's a powerful testimony in there. Uh, there's some singing, a little bit of dancing on the front end. Uh, and we've guys, we've been praying for you all, literally all year long. And we've been planning and preparing. And then I'm going to come back afterwards and teach about a 25, 20, 25 minute message before I let everybody go. Uh, we'll get out of here right at about an hour and five minutes uh, will be our. So right, so 9.30, 10.30, by about 10.35, no later than 10.40, because we've got another service at 11.30. So I'm very excited. Also, uh, there was some emails uh, from people in our church, and some of our staff uh, did a hostile takeover of my wardrobe. And here's what they told me. They said, Pastor, you've been wearing the same baggy pleated pair of pants for 15 years suit on Easter. So they forced me. I usually preach in nice dark jeans and maybe a jacket. And so they forced me to get a new suit to update myself this year. So I hope it's not too bright. I, I hope it's not. I don't like talking about it. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying. So I'm, I'm really trying to, to get updated here a little bit. So we are so excited and honored you guys are here. Why don't you sit back, relax, very powerful 20-minute production, then I'll come back and teach the Word, all right? God bless you. I'll be back in just a couple moments.
it's easy looking back to describe that you were my very lifeline. But when we were in the thralls of addiction, you know, um, it's very hard for me to think that I just looked over you, you know, and uh, and I know I've said I'm sorry, but I am really sorry. We get to dream again. And we get to dream again. The hardest thing about going back to my past is, uh, the destruction that it caused. I left a lot of carnage. And that's real hard to go back to. The first time I ever got drunk was at a wedding. I was eight years old. Man, I found this new tool to make me come out of my shell and make me that person I want to be. As you go into your continued use, there's a transformation that happens. The very thing that you used to look at and say, I will never be like that. You're like that and worse. I lived two separate lives. I lived my life as an addict, and I lived my life as what I thought the world wanted to see. You're a walking dead. You know, when you get to that point, you give up on life. You, uh, you don't care to, to be with your loved ones anymore. You don't recognize that you've progressed that far into your addiction until you're so far in it. That there's no way out but death.
you with an everlasting love even before the world began I had designs on you for glorious living I knit you together in your mother's womb every fiber of your being from head to toe. Even I've counted the hairs on your head, even the ones you lost to time and age. I've heard your inmost thoughts, your dark days and your joy-filled ones. I cried with you, for you, and because of you. Yet, I love you beyond all time. I laid down my life willingly for the joy of knowing you personally 
eternally. I see dressed in white Ever your army ride And I see a rose in you At the side of you You're irreplaceable Unmistakable, incomparable, darling, you're beautiful. I see it all in you. Oh, so priceless. Mirror, mirror, mirror on the wall, telling those lies, pointing out your flaws. That isn't who. Thank you.
what do you um, hold on to from the past? What do you think about? It was knowing that what I was doing was wrong, but it was not knowing how to stop doing what was wrong, you know? And I remember that was such a lonely feeling. I continued to uh, fail drug tests and avoid drug tests. So finally, um, they put a warrant out for my arrest. I, uh, I was in, uh, in prison. I had gotten put in isolation. Finally, I aggravated the guard enough to throw the Bible into my cell. I didn't even know the Bible. That was the night that uh, it was just me and that Bible. And uh, I fell on my knees. I didn't know how to pray, but the only word that I could get off the tip of my lips was Jesus. And I just kept repeating Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And as that word resounded through my body, there was like just a feeling of a return of the ability to breathe and to know that there was going to be a tomorrow. Jesus said, you know, that he leaves the 99 to seek the one, you know, and uh, that night he sought me. That night, I was the one he was seeking. It was time. I was tired. I was, it was that corner glass, and I was looking back, and everybody was peering in. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, you got to be there. I got to be there this time, you know, and, and really be there. And really be there, you know. There is nothing that I have done, can do, or will do uh, that can ever say what Jesus truly has meant to me and given back to me. It's like my very breath. There are so many that think there isn't a future and can't dream anymore. And we get to dream again. Imagine we that. We get to dream again. I
What a glorious day and what a glorious production. Wasn't that powerful just to demonstrate the resurrection of Christ, the power of Christ. If you've just come in uh, during our production, I do want to welcome you again. I'm Pastor Steve Robinson, uh, the senior pastor here at Church of the King. We're honored uh, that you've chosen to be with us on this resurrection morning. We, we've been in a series at our church. We actually just finished it last weekend. And the series was the seven last statements that Jesus made from the cross. As a matter of fact, it was a very powerful, I, I studied it afresh. You know, I've been to Bible school and seminary and all those different things and read through the Bible a whole bunch. But, but as I was studying uh, these sayings, I, the, the deep impact and meaning of each one of them. Again, Jesus was nailed to the cross at nine o'clock in the morning where he was actually raised up Friday morning, Good Friday. Finally, six hours later, he breathed his last breath. But when he was on the cross, when he was on the cross, he said seven statements. One of the weeks we studied this statement that he said, when he said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? By the way, interesting thing, the only place in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus referred to God the Father, he dropped the Father and just called him God. Why is that? Well, we talked a whole message about what, what that meant. What are the implications of that? One of the weeks we talked about when Jesus was on the cross. By the way, how many disciples did Jesus have? Can we just shout it out? How many? Let me tell you how many showed up when he was dying on the cross. One. Just John. John the beloved. John the apostle. Talk about, listen, talk about your cell group missing your dark day. Your small group. I mean, only one of the folks in his small group was there. Of course, Mary Magdalene was there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, there. And some other ladies were there. But it was in that moment when Jesus was dying on the cross, when he looked over at his mom, and here's what he said. You guys remember this? That we're here. Here's what he said. He said, Mother, behold your son, looking at John. And then he said, John, behold your mom. Talking about the power of spiritual family and relationships. Then last week, last week we talked about, I actually could have began the message series with the talk that I did last week, but I actually ended it because it was, it was the first words that he said from the cross. After he was rejected by his own people, the Jewish people, <clears throat> lied about, mock trials all night long, first at Caiaphas's house and on and on and on, all the way to Pontius Pilate. When the Romans... And the Jews together literally crucified Jesus. All the persecutors, all the junk, the very first thing that he said when he was nailed to the cross was, Father, forgive them. Wow. The power of forgiveness. The power of releasing those that have wronged you. <clears throat> and what it means in your life. Today I wanted to start off my message talking about the actual last thing that he said. The very last thing, as three o'clock came. Now remember, 12 o'clock, darkness. The Bible says darkness covered the land. The, the, the Bible says there was gross darkness over, over the land. And, and I don't know exactly understand how that happened. Maybe there was an eclipse. Maybe there was some, I'm not sure. Maybe it was just the clouds that covered in. But, but, but as Jesus is taking the weight of the sin of you and I on his body, the Bible says right before he Breathe his last breath. He said these words. Here's what he said. He said three words. Here it is. Our English, it was three words. Jesus spoke in Aramaic, 
The New Testament is recorded in Greek. We understand it in English. In English, it's three words. Aramaic, it's longer. The Greek word is tetelestai, one word. English, it's translated in three words. It is finished. Well, what was finished? What was finished? I tell you what was finished. Salvation was purchased for us. No longer is God holding our sins against. How many of y'all are grateful that God doesn't throw you away when you sin? Come on, how many of y'all are grateful for that? Man, I'm grateful because I know I blow it sometimes. Jesus was on the cross. He said, it is finished. I tell you, it was a dark day. It was a dark day for those that actually showed up to the cross. Can you think about it? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how about John, the very follower of Jesus, thinking to himself, listen, thinking to himself, all of their hopes, all of their dreams, their Messiah, their Savior, the one that delivered, the one that healed, is now passing from this life. Wow. You ever had a dream that was in your heart? Maybe some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, something that was in your heart that you were believing for, that you were standing for. Watch this, and it looks as though it's over. Maybe it was something, a promise you had in your heart. It looked so close, but it looked like, hey, what's gonna happen? That's, that's exactly what was going through the minds of those that actually showed up. And yet, Jesus, for whatever reason, they didn't get it. I mean, literally, none of them got it. The fact that he would say, for this purpose, the Son of Man has come to give his life a ransom for many. I mean, even at the, good, even at the, at the Last Supper or on Thursday night, he kept talking about, I'm going to die. I mean, I'm going to die like it's going to happen. And then he also gave intimations throughout Scripture that he would be risen on the third day, that he would rise. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it, 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 it comes back and, and, and produces much fruit picture of the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection. So, so, so I have a question. All right, this is not a trick question. On what day did Jesus die? Called good what? That wasn't super strong. That wasn't a trick question. Come on, y'all. On what day did he die? On good what? Friday. Okay, so three o'clock in the afternoon he dies. Now watch this. What's the next day for the Jewish people? All right, it was the Sabbath. It's Saturday. The next day, which would be considered the first day of the week, which was Sunday. So he dies on Friday, day one. Day two, Saturday. Day three, three. Sunday morning, he's resurrected from the dead. I want to pick up the scene. I'm not going to talk long, but I want to pick up the scene where, where, where this resurrection event is happening on Sunday morning. And, and some ladies are running to the tomb. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 to 4. I want to read this to you. Here's what it says. Now, after the Sabbath, that's Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath. After the Sabbath, that's Sunday, the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see him at the tomb. So this is the third day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now watch what happens. Verse two, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on the stone. I have no idea why he did that. But anyway, he just, boom, sat right on the stone. Maybe he was tired coming from heaven. But anyway, here it is. Verse three, and his countenance was like lightning. I mean, this is, this is happening. This is amazing. And his countenance was like lightning, and his clothing is white as snow. Now look at this next verse. And the guards shook 
for fear of him and became like dead men. I want you to get the scene here just for a moment. The Bible says that the, 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 the angel of God comes from heaven, all right? And his, white, his clothes are, are shining white. I mean, this is like a powerful neon moment here. And the Bible says, by the way, the stone, I, I actually, a number, about 10 years ago, the first time I went to Israel, there are two places that the theologians believe, according to scripture, that, that they believe that this could have happened. One is the garden tomb, which is in Israel, beautiful, which was discovered about 100, a little over 100 years ago by a British general. The garden tomb, you can go to it. It's, it's beautiful. And those who have been in Israel, you've been there. They either believe that this is the place or a place where there's a, a, an Orthodox church called the Church of Holy Sepulchre. It's over the place where the tomb was. So, but nonetheless, I went to a place that would, would be exactly like it was looked. Joseph of Arimathea gave his tomb to Jesus. And the body of Jesus was laid there. Beautiful place. And there's a 3,000 pound, two, three, 4,000 pound stone, watch this, put in front of it. And some Roman soldiers were there to guard that body. Let me tell you why. Those Roman soldiers were charged. Don't you dare let those disciples come and steal the body of Jesus. Because if they can steal that body of Jesus, then, then, they'll, then they'll continue this, this, this fantasy that, that he's raised from the dead. And then we can't prove that he's just a man. Don't you dare. Listen, I mean, they were on guard. So when the angel came, let's think about this. You're a Roman soldier. The, two, the, the, ro the stone is being rolled back now. Jesus walks out. They're shaking for fear for two reasons. Number one, because they're seeing this. And number two, they know that their job security is in trouble. It's a big deal. Last thing this commander said, don't you dare let that body be stolen. Oh, wow. And now, verse five and six, the women, here they come. And they capture all of this. It's happening. This is an amazing sight. So here it is. The, 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 as the ladies are coming, the stone is moved. Jesus is resurrected. He's walked out. The guards are just literally falling, shaking in fear. And here it is. But the angel, remember the one sitting on the stone? Drinking a cappuccino? Here it is. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. Let me pause there for a moment. Every time an angel shows up in the Bible, you know what he tells people? Do not be afraid. Fear not. Why? Because that's scary. I know what some of y'all think. I'd like to see an angel. Let me tell you, if you went home the night and saw an angel in your bed, you'd be scared. You'd be like, ah! Hey, now, I know some of y'all, I know your wife's an angel. I get all that, and she's on the bed. But I'm talking about, I'm talking about an angel. An angel, bigger angel. Okay. I mean, sometimes we think, you know, it's like somebody's talking about Peter. You know, that Peter, you know, he took his eyes off Jesus. He, 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 he was walking on and he sunk. Let me say this before we criticize Peter. When was the last time you took three steps on Lake Pontchartrain? <laughs> These are real people. This is a real situation. So These ladies were scared. Angel sitting there. Do not be afraid. Watch this. Don't be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. All right? Look at this. He is not here for, remember the first three words in English that we said? That were the most important three words to, to, to secure our salvation. Right before he died. You remember what they were? All right, here, here it is. It is, say it. Come on, let's say it again. 
it is finished. All right, those are three of the most powerful words in the Bible. Let me give you three of the next most powerful words in the Bible. You ready? Here, here, here they are. Not only it is finished, salvation has been purchased, but watch this. He is risen. He's no longer there. Isn't that powerful? The single distinguishing characteristic that differentiates Christianity from every other world religion, by the way, Buddhism, Islam, Shintoism, and any other ism, Hindu, uh, is every other is this. You can go to the grave of religious leaders. You can go to relics and shrines and all that. But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, the founder of Christianity, he's not there. He's not there. There's no bones there. There's no ashes there. Why? Because he's alive. He's alive. You have to understand the angel said, he is what? Say it. Risen. He's risen. I, 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 I began to think about this for a second. I'm going to ask you guys this question. I want you to think about this. Okay, it's a rhetorical question. Here it is. Here it is. Why? Why did the angel have to come to move the stone? Why? I mean, Jesus, look, the Bible says when he was down on the cross, he could have called down a legion of angels. By the way, that's a legion, a Roman legion, 10,000. I mean, if you've got a guy that's got power to call down 10,000, he's the creator. He can do anything. I mean, he's the one, the Bible says, the, 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 in, in the book of Romans, I know this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, which lives in you as a believer, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I mean, can you imagine that? After three days, dies on Friday. Well, where does he go from there? Ephesians 4 talks about he goes down to the lowest parts of the earth and leads captivity captive. Whole nother message. So that's happened on Saturday. Sunday, the Holy Spirit comes in this body, the dead body of Jesus, and all of a sudden, I mean, Jesus steps up. All right, now watch this. Do you think for a moment the resurrected body of Christ that walks through the wall in Jerusalem in John chapter 20, do you think he gets to the stone and goes, Father, I'm going to need some help on moving this one. Can you send some guys up there, maybe just hanging out, floating around? Of course he could have moved the stone. Well, then why didn't he move the stone? I'll tell you why. Listen, the angel didn't move the stone so that Jesus could walk out. The angel moved the stone so he could bring the ladies in to see what happened. And let me just tell you right now, let me tell you, I believe as we look into the tomb, we learn some things. We learn the fact. Let me give you three right here. And by the way, I want to say that I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for the people that come that, that want to peer in, the skeptics that come to our church every week. I, I, I had a guy stop me last year and say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I love coming to this church. I'm, I'm understanding things are, I, I like how you talk and I'm understanding and I'm hungry for God, but I'm not a Christian. Thank you for coming. And maybe some of you are here. Maybe, I don't know, it was a flyer or something you saw in the media. I don't know, so, so, but you got here and we're honored that you're here. We've actually been preparing this morning for you. Because here's what I want to do in my, my remaining, I, I've got about 10 minutes or so. I, I want to bring you and I want to show you the three things that, that I believe the angel showed these ladies. Number one, here's what, here's what hey, hey, come here ladies, come here, here it is. Number one, let me tell you, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. That, that's the first thing. He's alive. Listen to me. 
The Bible says in verse 6, it says that he is risen. By the way, there's a movie out. I encourage you guys to go see it, The Case for Christ. Anybody see The Case for Christ? It's a, I want you to see it. Lee Strobel, who, by the way, was a journalist in the early 90s and a lawyer. All right, the guy was brilliant. I mean, just a genius. His, let me tell you what happened to him. He's the one that created this. Let me tell you what happened to him. He got, his wife got saved. He wanted a divorce. He thought, you're a religious nut. You're one of them born again. Has anybody ever called you a born again? He, he thought, listen, he thought she was a nut. The problem was she, she believed in the power of prayer. I love when I have ladies come to this church. You know, Pastor, I'm coming and my husband's not. You know, he kind of sent me as a reconnaissance squad. <laughs> Let me just say this, sir. If your wife comes to this church, she learns how to pray and intercede, just give up and serve Christ. You can't run from God. I just want to share that with you. I'd say that respectfully, of course, because God loves you. So here's what happens. She, he sets out to read the Bible to disprove Christianity to his wife. Don't read the Bible if you want to prove Jesus isn't real. It'll mess you up every time. That's what C.S. Lewis did. Remember the Chronicles of Narnia? That's exactly what he did. And he gets born again. Let me tell you what he says. Here's what he says. In my research to try to disprove Christianity, I ran into the resurrected Christ. Let me tell you, this is not, this is not theory. It's, this is not some sort of metagor. This, 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 is, this is the reality. Christianity is the reality of serving a risen Christ. Number two, the second thing that, that, that I believe that these ladies saw in the tomb is that, that God had done it all. God had done it all. You know what the gospel is? Let me tell you what the gospel is. Here it is. Good news. Everybody say good news. The Greek word is evangeline, which, which actually means the evangelist, the heralder of good news. Not bad news, good, good news. It's good news. Well, what, what is the good news? The good news is that we can't save ourselves. Christianity is not a self-improvement program. I had a conversation with a guy one time. He said, you know what, Steve, he wasn't in our church. He goes, Steve, you know what, this year I'm going to lose some weight. And I gotta, I gotta, I'm looking at my finances and meeting with a fan, financial planner, looking at my allocations and where. And I said, man, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's good. It's wisdom. You need to do that. And he goes, and this year, I want to add a little bit of spirituality to my life. Now, listen to me closely. I say this respectfully. You don't add spirituality to your life. It's not, Christianity is not about adding a little religion. It's, remember what Joey said there? Is, is that Christ becomes our life. The Christianity, listen, it's not about me. It's, it's not about me trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps to make me better. It's about surrendering, surrendering to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, make me new. I'll never forget when I, a freshman in college, I was invited to a Bible study. Uh, I was not a Christian. I was invited to a Bible study by two girls. I had other motives. Just to be honest, maybe God will do anything. I'm just telling you. And so I, I went to this Bible study, and as much as college, you know, little Jesus people around, you know, I thought, what am I doing here? You know, and she's cute, though. It's cool. You know, I'll just do it. I'll just figure this out. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit was there. Just like the Holy Spirit is here today. And all of a sudden, I began to see that, that God really did have a plan for my life. And, 
and that I, I couldn't forgive myself, that I needed forgiveness, and that I couldn't change myself, that I needed a Savior. Hey, can I tell you the, 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 the blessing and the challenge of showing a video like that with Joey? Immediately, when I saw that video the first time, I thought to myself, what a powerful demonstration of what Christ can do in somebody's life. The second thought was, the only challenge with showing a video like that about Joey is that immediately people will segment that and categorize that. He's a drug addict. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not that bad. Listen to me closely. Listen, you may not be a drug addict, but you have pride in your heart or unforgiveness. The fact of the matter is there's no categories. Well, my sin's worse than your sin, your sin. How many know all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which means all of us need a savior and forgiveness. It's all level at the cross. It's all, nobody's better than anybody. Nobody's better than anybody. Number one, I believe that they showed that Jesus is alive. Number two is that God has done it all. And then let me tell you what happens when you become a believer in Ezekiel. This is so powerful. It's an Old Testament picture of the reality of a new life in God. He says, I will give you a new what? Say it heart and I will put a new what spirit in you listen the moment I became a believer I was still 5'11 and three quarters I wanted to be six foot so bad but it didn't happen it just I still had the same receding hairline I still had the same nose I still had all eyes but let me tell you the difference is 19 years old let me tell you the difference I got a new heart and a new spirit on the inside of me I still had the same extroverted personality, but I had a clean heart now. And the Spirit of God came to live in my heart. And God took out the old Steve heart and put in a new heart. Now I had a fresh relationship with God and a fresh vision for my future and fresh hope and fresh purpose. Yeah. Which brings up the third and final point here. I believe number one in that tomb they did, that day, they saw that, that Jesus is alive. And I just want to share this with you today. Jesus really is alive. This is not some fairy tale Christianity. You know, Jesus is a good historical man, just taught people how to love. He did that. But this is a supernatural faith. Number two, that God has done it all for you, sir. You can't save yourself. I know you're a leader. I know you're successful. But you can't save yourself. Ma'am, you can't save yourself. God has done it. That's what grace is about. And number three is that when you come to Christ... And I want everybody to hear me at the Orleans Justice Center, Little Creek, Gulf Coast Campus, our Metairie Campus. When you come to Christ, you receive a new identity. You become a new person. I'll close this last scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in who say it? Christ. He or she is a new creation. Let me tell you something. Not renovated, but new construction. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become. When you become a believer in Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, you become a new person on the inside. And then it works its way on the outside. I got to tell you all something that happened to me recently. I'll close with the story. I got a, a concussion recently, like real recent. Like if I told you how recent, it would freak you out. I was working out at a gym, and because uh, you're supposed to get strong there, and healthy. <laughs> and I was working out and I was on a bench press machine. All right. And I, you know, where you put the little thing and I was just benching. I don't know. I put it in there. I was doing, I don't know, like between four and 500 pounds. And uh, I, there's power under this suit. I'm just telling you. I, it's another message. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So it was a lot. All right. I can't remember. I remember I had a concussion. <laughs> so, all right. 
So I'm benching, and all of a sudden, you know, I have, I have four children. I have a 20-year-old daughter in college. I got two boys. I got an 18-year-old son, a 16-year-old son, and then a 7-year-old daughter. And it's funny, um, you know, my son, when he was, you know, you know the, the boys, as they're growing, they want to show their dad, you know, so seven, eight, nine years old, you know, they'll hit you, and it's like, yeah, it's not a big deal, you know. A couple years ago, I'm in the kitchen, and my 18-year-old son, who's 16 now, he came in the kitchen and went, bam, hit me on the shoulder. I went, hey, bro, dude, that is way too hard. You do that again, I'm serious, man. You're going to see Jesus, like, face to face. Like, I'm serious, man. Don't do that, bro. I'm serious. Dang it, that hurt. And I was like a fighter, you know, for I was, well, still. And uh, it's like, don't do that. I'm serious. That really hurt, big time. I thought when I was benching, somebody came up behind me, like, and they hit me, like, too hard. And they had to, like, bam, like, was a friend. I was like, I was like, hey, man, that hurt. And what I realized was, you know, those, me- those rubber things, you know, on machines that are not supposed to break, the chemical engineers you guys created, they break. <laughs> it, I know it bro- literally, okay, it snapped. And when it snapped, it was holding this metal thing, and the metal thing came down and wham, whacked me in the back of the head. And I was like, it hit me, and I just, I just bowled over, and then I went into the bathroom because I'm going to throw up. I had to go to the hospital. I have a, I have a concussion. And, and so, so, I can't remember what I was saying. I, I, I'm serious. Oh, so, the point is, is this. If I told you how recent it was, it'd freak you out, okay? Listen to me. It was like foggy for a couple days. Now, I'm serious. If you, if you, I've had a concussion one time, I was playing football, and, and you know, I was a sophomore, and I get a concussion. It just, and so if you've never had a concussion, let me tell you, when you have a concussion, it's foggy. It's like you're there. It's like you're there, but it's, it's not all there. Does, does that make sense? A lot of peop, people without Christ, they're, they're here, but it's, it's not all there. It, it's like life, heaven, hell, Jesus, the cross, destiny, purpose, what life about is it just to make a whole bunch of money, they just protect it at the end, drive a Winnebago around, and I'm just done? <laughs> is that what it's about? But when you get saved and you trust Christ, watch this, it's like the fog lifts. Yeah, it's about Christ and knowing God and fulfilling my purpose. Listen to me closely. That morning, the cross was about your forgiveness. The resurrection was about you become a new person. I'm so grateful that Christ not only forgives us, but changes us and makes us a new person. Come on, how many of y'all grateful for what Christ does in our life? I want to pray for you. Would everybody just bow their heads? We're just going to bow our heads right now and just please stay with me. If you're in this place today, you do not know Christ, you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, at all of our campuses, the Orleans Justice Center, our South Shore campus, our Gulf Coast, if the campus pastor would come on the stage right now, we're going to pray. If you do not know Jesus, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I'm going to pray for you. The count of three, would you just lift your hand up high, Pastor, I need Christ, I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly, just hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you guys. Anybody else, Pastor? God bless you, sir, up there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Anybody else, Pastor? Pray for me. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you as well, ma'am. And you right there. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. 
I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Is there anybody else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you right there. God bless you as well. God bless you right there. I see your hand. I believe the Holy Spirit is here. Jesus loves you. Jesus is not mad at you. He cares about you. The Bible says he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can we pray, church? Let's pray with those who are making a decision to follow Christ. Can we, can we do that right now? Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this. Say, Jesus, give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. This last thing, say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of a living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. I'm going to let you, you will walk out in four minutes. Please just stay with me, okay? This is very important. If you prayed and trusted Christ, there's a card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to fill this out. You can place it on our offering that's going to be passed in just a moment. Number two, if you're a guest here, we promise you we're not going to show up at your house unannounced, but if you're a guest here, if you'd like to fill out some, a guest connection card, we want to send you a letter, all right? Just letting you know a little bit about our church and really thanking you uh, for coming. Just listen to me very closely. Next week, I start a new series called Trapped. Look up here, everybody. The series for four weeks, I'm going to be teaching it. What do you do when you're trapped in life? In negative thinking, in unhealthy patterns, in circumstances, what do you do? How do you respond? I want everybody to remain seated. I want to watch this 30-second video about next week. I'm going to come back, pray over our offering. Then we've got one last song. You guys will be out of here in three minutes. Check this out. Again, I am looking forward to next weekend uh, teaching this series. And bring a friend. This is a series to be able to bring somebody uh, to really help you to see what it means to live an overcoming life in Christ. Ushers, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and get in place. And we're going to honor the Lord. This is for our church folks, for our church family. But if you do have cards, if you'd like to put them in there. And we got one last song. It'll be two minutes long. How many of y'all appreciate this team and this tremendous team with them today? You guys. So let's pray over our tithes and offerings. Lord, bless your people as they give to you this day. Lord, their tithes and their offerings. I pray you'd bless them on this Easter weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain seated as the ushers serve you. And then the worship leader release you in just about two minutes. No one.
Saw you shine.